0: Hi everyone, so just before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about the past few episodes and the upcoming episodes of more of the spiritual take of ADHD and the interconnection of it all. And I guess it's just my sort of personal interest and passion, but I'm finding it a lot with the way I'm working and the clients that I've got at the moment, that it really does um, all connect together. And so when I'm talking about intuition or we're talking about the deeper inner wisdom or getting to know ourselves better or trust and the deep wisdom that we've got within us and learning to live life more authentically, I want you to be able to know that it's a language that you can choose, that the language doesn't have to be my language, it can be your language and you can pick and choose what feels right to you. And I know some people find it a bit uncomfortable when we start talking about more spiritual things and the universe and God and all these different things. But I want you to know that you're able to listen to this episode and really interpret it in the way that feels good and right and comfortable with you right now. And maybe come back and listen to the episode again in a few weeks. Let things integrate, let things settle. Because when we are delving into these conversations, especially after an ADHD diagnosis later on in life, and learning to reprogram certain beliefs and the conditionings and the stories that we've been holding on to and the patterns of our thoughts and our behaviors, and then realizing there's maybe a different way to go about life, it can feel quite big and a bit overwhelming. So, what I want to bring to you today is interesting conversations, conversations that I have um, found interesting and helpful for myself, but maybe your takeaways might be different. So please don't put any pressure on yourself to think that the language that's being used in all these conversations is something that you have to take on. I want you to be able to listen and take what feels good to you and let that integrate, let that just settle in, let that embody. And I hope that over time, certain things will drop into place and you'll feel more equipped from a more sort of deeper perspective. So I really hope that you've enjoyed these recent conversations. And yeah, like I said, there, there is this fantastic new program that I'm going to be starting um, at the end of January, which really taps more into changing our beliefs and our thought patterns um, and our mindset and our energy from a sort of much deeper more cellular level. So here's the episode, I really hope you enjoy it and like I say just take it what feels good to you right now. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. So hi, everyone. Welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, your host. And today's guest is a wonderful person who I am really excited for you to meet and to, to learn more about. Her name is Natalie Davis, and she is known on social media as The Wellbeing Girl. She is a coach, a breathwork instructor. She's it's all trauma-informed and her mission is to help women reconnect back to themselves, away from the labels, away from how we see ourselves day to day, and to really identify and understand the essence of our deeper selves. So. For me, this is like music to my ears. I love this kind of conversation. And you were also diagnosed with ADHD. And I I don't believe that it's a coincidence because I would say 90% of the women who I speak to with ADHD have this calling to learn about themselves from a much deeper soul-driven level. So I know that's why a lot of listeners listen to this podcast because they like the sort of the deeper, more spiritual conversations. So, and Natalie, welcome. So happy to have you here. And Natalie is writing a book as well. So we'll talk about that, but Natalie, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kate, and everything you've just said, it just, yeah, gives me, gives me goosebumps, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, the deeper conversations, that's what I live for.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I know from experience of any anyone i work with with adhd we always just go straight in for the for the big talk um and there's n- very little fluff and and i guess that's why people want to hear more about about learning about how we can work with ourselves with the deeper understanding of ourselves as we get older and we sort of taught from a very early age and I know you write about this rule book of life and how we are meant to stick to all these kind of um, stages and then we're going to be happy but actually I believe and I can see that you do as well is that if we understand the essence of who we are that's where the the fulfillment and and I hope the happiness comes from can you talk a little bit about how you work who you work with and I guess um maybe what your book's about as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting, I think, when people kind of yeah, ask me to summarize that. And I think for me, my search for more um, began when I actually had ticked off every item in the rule book. So I'd actually got the the good job. I'd got the lovely house, you know, I I had the you know, the latest version of my best car in the driveway, you know, I had all those items that that were success, you know, ticked off. And actually, that's where my, my real journey for more began, because I was thinking, hang on a minute, like something's wrong here. They said that if I would do these things, I'd be happy, right? So for me, it's about more, it's about me working with with women that that want more and aren't scared to kind of own that, you know, because it's not selfish. We just haven't necessarily been following the right rule book. The rule book's maybe out of date. It's an old version. And it's not one that's really linked to our soul's mission and our core essence. It kind of isn't linked to our internal sense of being. It's very linked to our external sense of what success might look like. But you can have all those things and feel empty. And that's what happened to me. I was like, well, I have these things, but I i feel you know empty inside and so the search for more began so yeah to sum it up by saying you know anyone that that has that that pull you know that deep yearning for for more whatever it is more laughter more joy more love more connection um because ultimately that's the first step to going after it is actually acknowledging mm. hang on something feels a bit off here
0: yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you came to a ADHD diagnosis and how I guess that blended into your work and what the diagnosis offered you um once you started understanding a little bit more what'd been going on?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I've always been fascinated with like neurodiversity and I've always been when I did work in corporate um it was about 3 years ago I left now, but when I did work in corporate I was always kind of the odd one out. I felt and um I was almost kind of the one with the wacky ideas and like the creative thinking and I'd always come with that different approach but it was like quite hard to be so different a lot of the time and I didn't fit into the box and I didn't fit into the mold and it was pretty exhausting over time like trying to fit in and I knew my mind always thought differently when I was four I turned to my mom and I said I'm going to change the world. (laughs) And she was like, okay, you know, like laughed it off. But I knew that it was like I wanted to do something big and drastic. You know, I knew that. That was within my essence from, you know, from my blueprint when I arrived here, um, on you know, on earth. So it's been with me all along. But for me, the diagnosis was permission to really embrace that part of myself that was different, that was unique, that, that was was not like everyone else and start to see it as a gift and I think I already knew subconsciously that it was a gift but I think the label and the diagnosis really helped me lean into that more and actually be proud of it and lead with it um Mm. and that felt really different to actually lead with that as a strength rather than kind of like shying away from it because you weren't quite sure how it was going to be received which is what I spent a lot of my life doing
0: I love the reframe and and to be able to see it as a strength. But how did it impact you on a day to day basis? Your ADHD, and I guess where 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 was that moment where you were like, I need to get this diagnosis. I need to be able to understand myself better. And and what were the areas that you found really difficult?
1: Mm. I think for me, when I when I went through the process, I was. I was in a really like quite high stress corporate sales job. And I remember being at a point of burnout where I was doing still a good job, but I was starting to wear thin. And I think it was the mask, you know, that I'd been wearing for a really long time was starting to kind of falter. You know, the smile that I was really good at like plastering on every morning, where I was trying to be how other people needed me to be and operate started to just wear a bit thin and mm. I actually was signed off sick and it was a process whereby I actually just ran out of steam and I was ill. I had chronic stress, had constant mouth ulcers you know, and it and it that physical, the physical symptoms made me get signed off work. And actually, that for me started the process of looking at ADHD, looking at the process of actually how I get back to some way of being that was in more more aligned to my true self. And it gave me permission mm-hmm. to explore. So I had, you know, about six weeks off, at one point, and then it was a little bit longer. So it's kind of about two and a half months in, in total. And I never actually went back to that job, because actually, it was such a shift through going through the process of, of the ADHD diagnosis that actually enabled me to really step back and realize that whole environment no longer fitted. And it was just too exhausting to, I couldn't, I physically couldn't go back. After I had that awareness, it was almost like that, it was removed from my life almost, you know, because it was like, oh, you're going that way now. And then obviously, everything I built my business on is. It aligns to my strengths and, and uses those gifts in kind of a natural way. But for me, that was a real line in the sand moment where it was like, well, you're going left or right. And actually, there was a choice and a leap of faith moment there because that I wasn't ready to start my own business at that point, but it was almost forced upon me. And I think for me, the diagnosis was a real, a real moment in time to kind of give me that push I needed, which actually I, it, I'm really grateful for because maybe I wouldn't have, maybe it wouldn't, yeah. have, maybe I wouldn't have done it in the same way, or maybe I'd still be kind of, trying to make that mask fit um i'd be trying to wear that now who who knows what would have happened so for me it was a real a real gift actually how it came about
0: i think what you're you know you're describing so many people can resonate with because it's that permission isn't it that permission to actually do the things that we want to do do it our way and actually have a level of understanding as opposed to constantly trying to remould ourselves back in, you know, if, if you hadn't had that diagnosis after your burnout and you'd gone back to work, you would have just kept trying and then it, the cycle would have kept going and it was your body's way of, of showing you that this was not the right environment for you. So I'm interested, obviously the wellbeing side was that always there while you were still in corporate and had you even considered to, you know, going in and doing your own business with, with regards to wellbeing?
1: It's really interesting because for me, ADHD and OCD are, are very closely linked. So in my teenage years, I had very extreme OCD. So um, you probably know a little bit about OCD, but for me, it's that negative thinking patterns, and it's and, and I often explain it to people. It's because a lot of us do struggle with with OCD on a on a, on a mild level because eighty percent of our thoughts are negative, and we have seventy thousand thoughts a day. So when you hear that, you realize, okay, we probably all suffer with a little bit of kind of that that negative compulsion and thinking pattern. But for me, uh, I didn't leave my house for six months uh, in my early 20s, and it literally t- it took over my life. And for me, having that journey or having that kind of past around my mindset always lended me to being interested around this work Um, and for me then the ADHD diagnosis kind of almost like allowed me with an opportunity to really stop and kind of get curious even more so I'd already had like do you know what I mean a few kind of different ways that I was yeah I was maybe just a little bit um, more disadvantaged when it comes to the way my mind was operating in the world and the ADHD diagnosis allowed me to kind of really stop and actually think. Hang on a minute. There's a reason why maybe I'm kind of experiencing these things, and there's a voice or, or a role I have to play to support others that maybe feel the same. So for me, it was almost the OCD and then the ADHD diagnosis together that really led me to to realizing that. Hang on a minute. This is my this is my role. Like this is my. You know, it's the Marianne Williamson quote that says like Who are you not to? It was. It felt like a really strong responsibility. Because I always had so many things that had happened that I was like, I can't not do something about this. That's how that's how important it felt, if that makes sense. And it was just a matter of time (laughs) that I was going to put something together or step into my role and step into my power.
0: Yeah. I mean, it often takes that push, doesn't it? That universal push, whether it's illness or burnout or a redundancy or something that stops us makes us sort of see what's going on. And then we, like you say, we have that right or left, which way do we go? Do we choose to be brave? Are we brave? Are we courageous? Like you say, it's that leap of faith, that bravery that we need to kind of be like, actually I have got something to offer and I can help people. And very often it comes from trauma. It comes from, you know, our own pain and and going through that healing process to then help others. And it doesn't surprise me that your ADHD diagnosis was that kind of like that tip over the edge because it then allows you to fully step into that neurodivergent thinking that is so fantastic at being able to carve out businesses and ideas and ways of working that hopefully do work with our strengths and with our energy. I think about so many people who go through this cycle of, of burnouts and exhaustion and illness, and it's just their day-to-day life. And they haven't got that self-awareness yet that it's the environment, it's the people, it's the way of working, it's the times, it's the traveling, it's all these sensory overloads in so many different ways that is making us physically ill. On the other side, there's a lot of people out there that can't afford, they just don't have that privilege exactly. to yeah. be able to make that choice and to be able to be brave. And um, and that's, it, it's a difficult one. But what would you say to people who are listening and going, you know, I wish I could step away from this way of life that is making me ill. I wish I could work, you know, alongside my ADHD and thrive as opposed to constantly being in resistance and in resistance. What's the invitation there? How can they help themselves on a daily basis, perhaps make those little steps towards living a more authentic life for them? Mm -hmm. It's a really important point, I think, to
1: kind of like note that privilege really does come into it. And I really struggle with privilege. And I do feel a little bit like it's so important we honour that, the fact that not everyone has the ability to just suddenly you know take some time out you know it's like no that's not like especially with what we're experiencing now with cost of living crisis and and where we are you know post-covid as well but what I would say for me is a journey starts with a single step um and every new journey starts with a single step and actually for me a lot of our like taglines are around kind of every second every minute every hour of every day and it's about the daily habits So I'd be just inviting initially someone to reconnect with one value. A lot of our work starts with value work, because almost we don't think about that stuff. Like we get given values, don't we all the time? But it's like, actually, do we get to choose them for ourselves? Maybe Mm -hmm. not. Um, You know, and just an invitation around one value that actually we are calling in something that we say yes to, that's a daily action, a daily habit, it might just be the way we speak to ourselves and not not allowing ourselves to go into judgment say as as that first reaction or allowing ourselves to have one meaningful conversation with a friend rather than a whatsapp chat you know every week and actually just honoring our values and starting there and actually it just it's the way that we connect to what we're saying yes and no to and the invitation is just to say yes to us more rather than everyone else um and for me the invitation starts there because that is creating and creating an opportunity for us to lean into the joy and the love and compassion rather than Rather than the fear, and that's where all of this work starts, um, you know. And ultimately, there's a bit of a um, <laughs> bit of a snowball effect when we actually start to live our life in that way, and we start to kind of tune into that feels really good, and oh, that doesn't feel so good. In that, naturally, we have then some momentum to continue on that path. But it really does start with with those daily actions, and I'd be really encouraging someone to just think a little bit about a few a few daily actions that they can bring mm-hmm. in that start to bring in some more of these new feelings that lift them up um rather than rather than drag them down. And for me, it, it started there and then it did snowball into other areas of my life and my business changed and you know that my relationships changed and, and everything like that. But it, it doesn't happen overnight, but it does start with those with those daily actions. Literally the minutes, the seconds, the hours, every single day for me that's where I'd be encouraging us to look.
0: It's very much about that self-awareness, isn't it? It's even just having a cup of tea in the morning and uh, or a coffee and scrolling it's maybe just sort of sitting and just kind of having that coffee and just enjoying the heat, the smell, the sensation of the coffee going, you know, into your mouth and swallowing it like little, like even if it's a three minute mindful exercise with your coffee instead of sort of quickly scrolling through Instagram can make a bit of a difference. And if you do that every day, you know, those habits do stick and it takes a while for the neural pathways to remember, but it does work. You know, what what do you see with the women that you're working with? and And why would you say that we're having more of an awakening nowadays? Why are we talking about this more?
1: I think something like COVID and experiencing something collectively like that, you know, as um, almost on a global scale, I think really gave people chance to get off the hamster wheel and really check in with um you know with themselves around actually whether this is what they what they truly want and I think that is for me such a gift of actually where we're at in the world we're coming into Asia, Aquarius too which is not a coincidence for all of the people that you know study astrology there's something happening in building that's almost this creation of this new way of being rather than doing And I think for a lot of people we've been in the masculine we've had masculine leadership in society for a really long time all we've had modeled to us is success is achievement is will is strong if you want something you go for it and you work hard and you make it happen right for me now what covid did is create space for the feminine for the being for the softness and actually for me that's where so much beauty is um, in the world in terms of reconnecting back to ourselves because actually if there's no space then our feminine can't thrive and, and there's no space for our feminine, and then as feminine beings, there really is a natural disconnect, right? Because we're feminine beings living in a masculine world. So for me, there's something around the opportunity COVID gave us to to get off the hamster wheel, have a little look at our life and go back into it with a fresh pair of eyes that allowed us to really kind of ask the question of like, is this what I'm choosing for myself? Am I the author or am I just the passenger? And without that, like the whole world I write a lot about in my book saying like that was my own process but the whole world was going through that process of of, of awakening and coming back to a world with a new pair of eyes and thinking how does this feel right like without that Mm -hmm. time and space we wouldn't have been able to check in with it and really ask ourselves like whether it was serving who we were becoming that's a really nice question I use a lot like does this choice does what you're saying yes to in this moment does it serve who you're becoming because that's what we're making decisions based on, not just what feels good in this moment now. We're, we're making that decision based on who do I want to be in five years? Who do I want to have around me in five years? And that's a really different way of thinking. And obviously, Joe Dispenza's work, again, is proving that now on like a, a biology <laughs> level as well. So for me, I think there's almost a real gift in what we've been through as a collective, but it's leaning into those lessons now and really kind of like taking those lessons further Um, and for me I love the doing and the being and the way the masculine and feminine polarity interplay because for me we we have to be able to integrate both within ourselves to be to be completely whole.
0: Yeah, I mean I love all of this. And I totally agree with you. I think that is where we are. I think we are hopefully this sort of patriarchal society that we've all grown up in and the generations, you know, before us have and we are kind of rewriting things a little bit, but it's it's a slow shift, isn't it? And what you're sort of saying is that intentional awareness now it's like we're being more intentional with who we say yes to, who we hang around with. And something that I always I do now is kind of think about myself and like you say like in five years and am I saying yes to that person in five years so is that my myself hopefully in five years time are they going to want me to say yes to that now or did you know is it like moving towards or or away from and every decision I make now like everything and it's made me more aware of the sensations and the feelings in my body and which I'd like to talk to you about because I know that that's probably a lot of the way you work is, is noticing those feelings in our body as opposed to sort of dismissing, especially if, say, something's come up and all of a sudden our shoulders go tense, our chest starts getting tight, our throat gets like blocked. But we override that with our brain and our mind. We're overriding it with like, oh, no, but that's what I should do or that's how I should be showing up or that's how we make money or that's how our business runs. And our body is literally giving us the the clues and the insights and maybe that feminine energy. Yeah. yeah that's not listening. We're not listening. I had a really
1: interesting um corporate session this morning with a big group of women and one of them said, Natalie, it's really um it's really frustrating because like she said she had this calmness as like a really key theme for last year and she was leaning into calmness and she said, But now I've done that. All I want now is more calmness. It's like her intuition is like, because she's created. The feminine's now like, I want more. Um, and it's really, it's really amazing sometimes how much when we are embodied and we start to connect to our body, how much it really kind of does cut out like the nose, and it really does tell us like what feels good and what doesn't. And it's actually really inconvenient for like day-to-day life for you to be embodied, (laughs) us to be embodied women, it's actually really inconvenient. Because on some days we're gonna just have to say no to stuff, and some days we're just gonna have to you know, whatever it is, just be like, no, nope, it's a day where I just can't do that today. But actually that's the kind of real value and cost at the same time. So we've kind of got to be willing to like go there and, and really reap the rewards. But that uncomfortable feeling of like letting everything else crumble and disappoint everyone that we're used that we're used to saying yes to is definitely a process of what we need to go through. And I, I always talk a lot about boundaries being the vehicle to that, right? Like I think a lot of the time we haven't maybe experimented what with what kind of saying no even feels like and for me that process of working that through with someone in the safe space where they can actually really start to kind of figure out how they can do that safely and start to create some space in in the world around them for me that's where it starts because actually if we've got you know no no protection I call it armor it's almost like a little bit of armor around our hearts and protection around our aura so that we can kind of like navigate and be in control rather than be like you say, in that reactive state where we're constantly our parasympathetic nervous system is just constantly heightened.
0: So, I'm just interrupting today's podcast because I want to let you know about a brand new program that I'll be launching towards the end of January 2024. And I've got a sign up page on my website right now. I'm still planning it, I'm still working on it, but I have to say, this is probably one of my most exciting programs so far. This is So intuitive and authentic to me. And anyone that's worked with me will really see where this is going. So, this is all about changing the energetics from within and changing our stories, releasing old blocks, old conditioning, and creating a new future, visualizing a new way of being, and really letting go of the things that have been holding us back. This is all about our spiritual growth. Leaning into what feels right to us and not doing all the shoulds and the needs and the comparing and working on the internal dialogue and the stories and the words that we say to ourselves, changing the energetics from within so we can reflect outwards and change what our reality is. And so many of us who have had a diagnosis much later on in life can feel really stuck and feel like we're an old version of ourselves. And then the diagnosis brings revelations and new ways of wanting to be and think and live. But often we find it very difficult to get there. So in this program, it's going to be me holding you accountable, motivating you, giving you practical, but also spiritual and energetic ways of shifting the dials, changing the way we think and believe and the stories that we tell ourselves and the words that we use. And I'm really, really excited about this. I'm still conjuring up all the details, but it will be probably a 45-minute workshop every two weeks for about three or four months. So I'm going to be sort of hand-holding you, cheerleading you, motivating you, giving you new ways of doing things, helping you make decisions and choices that feel right and aligned with you. This is stepping into your most truthful, authentic version of you and changing this reality and really leaning into a different way of being now that you have more awareness. I really believe that this is something that I've been working on for for many years, and I can't wait to finally share some of the tips And the ways that I have helped change how I show up in the world, because it's very different to how it was five years ago. So I'm hoping that in this program, this container, I'm going to be opening it up. I'm really going to be creating a community of people who are ready to step out of a mentality that feels like the world has been doing things to them and start taking action and charge from a place that feels good to you. And this is not about doing this is about being this is about feeling so if you really don't align with this sort of action and goal setting and sort of new new year resolutions this may be a much softer approach for you and really work with our neurodivergent minds so head to my website you're going to see on the home page a sign up page if you just put your name and email address there i promise you that when this is all live and i've got all the details you guys are going to be the first people to get it Now back to today's episode. Breathwork, it's such a big conversation and it's a big topic, but for me, who isn't formally trained in breathwork, but I do use it a lot, I use it to make some space between that reactivity and when I can feel the overwhelm kicking in and the tension and the stress and everything. can. I always just try and go back to my breath because that reactivity often just takes over. And I find that really helpful. What, I guess, what do you use breath work for? And personally, and from an ADHD perspective, is there any sort of types of breath work that you would recommend?
1: Yeah, it's really, it's a really good question. I think it's really interesting with breath work. There's almost like two ways you can, you can use it and it is to kind of if you look at our automatic nervous system it either is to kind of like heighten or it's to kind of rebalance and calm and a lot of people come to breath work because they're trying to calm their nervous system which is what you're talking about it's that reset in that moment where actually everything a bit heightened you can kind of scale back and kind of regain control now for me the breath work i actually specialize in is holotrophic breath work so it's actually um it's trauma breath work and it actually allows us to go a little bit more deeply into our subconscious to process and stuck emotions so you can very much use it two ways and i always like i'm a bit careful when i am running a breath workshop that actually people understand that they're coming to kind of work hard and actually process and stuff as well because it's not all kind of light and breezy for me it's such a tool to let go of some of the stuff that's just got stuck so think about all the times all the memories the times when we were a a child and we saw a spider and our parents like you know went oh and then we went oh and that memory is literally like in our body and locked in our Mm -hmm. body right breath work it's like letting go it's detoxing like some of this emotion so with it if you breathe for an hour say like (gasps) quite quite extreme breath work for an hour you'll go through a whole range of states of emotion you'll cry you'll laugh and it's just your body resetting and rebalancing and for me i try to do that monthly like a big kind of session where i can really kind of detox and then what you're saying those kind of daily breathing tools can be then really great to maintain but for me there's some we always explain it as like the gunk at the bottom that's like you really need to go in and remove the gunk before you actually just like take the top layer off because sometimes there's some really big stuff like grief like some really big emotions that have got stuck in our body you know and that's where physical pain can manifest so for me there's a a few different ways you can look at it but for me my own like my own healing has been around kind of that more the deeper um, breath work that can actually really get into the subconscious and that's where you're rewiring your the neural pathways too, because Mm. you're working with your subconscious on that deeper level. Do
0: you do this in person or is this uh, online? And I guess, what happens if you come in there and you're not sure what needs removing? You
1: don't need to know. Your body knows what it needs to do. As long as you create a safe space, your body, and it's why, you know, things like TRE, trauma release exposure, it's the trembling. Your body, literally, if you look at an animal in the wild that has you know, been attacked or it's kind of had a shock, like my dog Nala, like if I, if she gets scared and she has a fright, she'll shake after, she'll shake it off and she'll remove the emotion from her body, right? Your body knows how to process emotion. Us as human beings, we're just really, really good at getting it stuck and not like allowing it to free up. So all I say is literally, we get comfortable, like I often do group breathing. So we'll, we'll have like 10 or 15 people in a room and people will be all cozy and they'll have like a blanket. And they literally have to just let their body do the work. There's nothing they need to do because your body knows how to release. As humans, we're just really good at stopping a natural process.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, what you're saying there is like childbirth, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, you know, you we've know,
1: done this for centuries. Our bodies, yeah. We're just overcomplicated things.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, when you, essentially when you're on the throes of, of labor, your body knows what to do, hopefully. And yeah, like you say, with the breath work and and everything. I mean, I'm personally, I've done something similar to that I've done one session. I wasn't expecting to feel the way I did afterwards the emotion that came up it was almost a bit like hallucinogenic
1: and and ultimately as well breath work was invented because LSD was banned remember so like there is a really (laughs) strong link between how people use you know um psychedelics and breath work um in the sense that you're accessing a deeper state so yeah I think that's why the container and preparation like before and after is really important because it can it can bring up a lot for people, but ultimately I'd rather it be out than in, right? Because actually we know that actually if it's if it's in, that's going to be leading to disease or leading to physical pain. And actually we know that the mind and the body are so linked and your mind is often just, your body, sorry, is often just holding on to stuff that it doesn't feel safe enough to release. So we've kind of got to like teach our body that it's safe to release and then everything kind of will start to flow a bit more because ultimately your mind and your body key functions are to keep you safe and to keep you alive and that becomes counterproductive when we're holding on to stuff that we don't need anymore we're like that's done that was so 10 years ago your body's like you know because it contracts and that's the way that it that it deals with trauma so
0: I mean I'm so intrigued from an evolution perspective why have we not learned this why do we not know as humans that we hold on to the trauma in our body why are we only I'm just saying just learning I know this has been around for decades but why? Why do we have to actively release? This? Yeah, we're
1: we're really good at being in our mind. I think this is the problem, like the Eastern Western like conflict, isn't it? Of like, actually, we've got so good at being intellectual, we've got so good at understanding, at being logical, that actually we've kind of almost like override. We've overridden any kind of physical you know, natural embodiment or any kind of like sign that our body would naturally tell us because we've kind of always had a solution. And it's the same when you speak to someone and they say, okay, well, can you give me the research for that? Because without the research, Mm. I'm not even going to listen to what you say. Okay, but can I just, I always say with research, I'm like, research is seven years out of date from the moment that actually it's been published because it takes that long. (laughs) So we're already seven years out of date. So if we're actually like relying on the research, do you see what I mean? So I think sometimes we've just kind of got a bit lost in our mind and for me this journey is about starting to live our life shoulders down rather than shoulders up because we spend a lot of time in our mind it's about being able to drop back into our body because our body knows our body has the answers we've just maybe we've just not tuned in for a little while we're like we've kind of like you know forgotten to practice the language do you know what i mean and for me that's where like the embody embodiment, embodiment work in the world is is really starting to kind of have a place because You know, it's a very different conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, can you explain a little bit about um, embodiment and, and what that means for people who are only just beginning this journey now?
1: Yeah, it means, well, I always say kind of your mind is the calculator. Your intuition is the compass so if you're thinking about like the soul and your intuition it's that wise part of yourself that knows and i always explain it with like the voices in our minds so your mind if there's like if there's something that your mind is talking to you about it will be like alarm bells so it would be like oh my god i need to check on the oven it's going to be quite like you know strong strong language it's going to be quite forceful language if your intuition is talking to you, it's going to be soft and calm And for me, a lot of the journey of like awakening is about tuning into the voice, that softer voice, that wise part of us that knows. It's a really deep part of us that just knows but we don't sit in that energy and we don't. And that's why meditation as a tool is beautiful because it gets us into that space where, we, where the answers just come up. How many times do you go for a run or in the shower and you come out and you're like, yeah, solve the problem. Do you know what I mean? It's that because that deeper part of you is working. But we spend so much time in this alarm state and it's not actually kind of an embodied way of, of being. So for me, it's that journey of like starting to tune into the difference and start to train that intuition muscle because that's where you know, that true guidance will be, you know, because it's not the voice that's trying to keep us safe, ultimately, which is our mind. It's always trying to keep us safe and, and keep us protected. Yeah. But that's not always, um, you know, the right path to take.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, especially when, since we spend so much time on social media, online, getting, you know, the comparative notions of, of seeing our uh, social media likes and emails, you know, flashing up. And being in that constant sort of state of, like like you say, alarm, where it's just making a few more sort of conscious decisions of being like, okay, I'm actually going to put my phone away. I'm going to have some time on this walk without listening to a podcast. I'm going to sit, like I said at the beginning, you know, with my tea or my coffee and just enjoy it. Teaching ourselves little tiny ways, because I know with ADHD, so many of us spend so much time in our heads, which you know, creates a very stressed nervous system, which creates a very stressed body. Um, and and it, it almost goes against the way we have always operated. So when it's, it is going back and going, okay, right, how do I quieten the mind? We think quietening the mind is numbing it with social media, shopping, eating, drinking, all the things. But actually, you have to kind of cross that hurdle and it feels really, really hard. But once we've learned something that makes us sort of a, our brains, our minds a little bit quieter, whether that is meditation or walking or yoga, or swimming, there's there's always going to be something that we can um attached to that will help us feel a bit calmer and again there's no rule book you know like if yoga's not for you try something else. The
1: thing that really helped me actually being like you say one of those heightened people because I am you know heightened naturally and I have had to work Mm -hmm. really hard at being like soft and grounded is that kind of co-regulation piece So being around Mm -hmm. people that calm our nervous system and that's really something that's starting to kind of get a lot of traction I think now in the sense that we can actually like choose people that make our nervous system feel good and actually they call it a bit of an anchor process so if you've got one person in the room with a regulated nervous system you know science shows that actually everyone else in the room will will learn to fall and drop into having a regulated state whereas one person out of sync can make everyone go out of sync so it's that whole with the sum of the five closest people to us so choose wisely like who you're around so it's thinking about that barrier around yourself. Cause actually you'll find that you're just going through life, like being triggered, your nervous system is being triggered. And for me, a big part of it was finding people that felt safe to my nervous mm-hmm. system. And then I could learn to regulate and then I could kind of go out into the world and, and maintain that a little bit better as well. Yeah.
0: Totally love this because when women don't give themselves the gift of self-care, well-being, choosing themselves, giving themselves time and space, what they're not then doing is giving the gift to the people around them because if you're co-regulated and calm, then your kids, family, partners, colleagues, everyone, friends will will feel those effects. So the, the ripple effect is is enormous. So, like you said at the beginning, it's like who am I not to do this? This is this is powerful because if I can feel co-regulated, then you know, imagine the impact that on you know, bringing my children up. And for me, that's been a massive thing. I, I grew up in a relatively dysfunctional family and there was very little regulation and it was very um heightened the whole time and i've had to learn that it, that's not the way to live and thankfully my husband is is a calm person the, you know the, most of the time and he's taught me that actually you can live like this and so my biggest thing in in my existence of living is to kind of create a family that is not shouting and not screaming and not heightened and have just conversations. That's a literally
1: just pattern you've broken there, isn't it? Because you could have yeah. just easily just taken that pattern on to your children and their children. And all we're doing in life is just looking at breaking the chain and choosing to kind of live our life a different way that serves us. But I think that's massive to celebrate because, you know, it's not easy to break that because this is generational this has come from your parents but it came from their parents and their parents and a lot of it's from poverty and war and famine right like it's kind of really big traumas that our ancestors have been through and naturally we just pick up behavior patterns unless we are more conscious and that's what this works about just checking in does that really serve me is that really mine is that really how i want to act and be in this moment you know and for me that's what this work is about if i always say seventy thousand thoughts a day if five percent of them are from a conscious place your whole life could be different.
0: Yeah. I love that, that you can choose because, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I love my family. There's so many elements of my family that I want to bring into my family, but there's a lot of elements I want to choose to leave behind and hopefully, you know, break generational patterns. And I'm sure I'm doing things to my kids. I'm very sure that they're going to want to leave behind as well. I really believe this is such important work for for just one person to do because, of the impact it can have on, on so many other people um, and I'm excited about your book I'm excited to read it uh, uh tell me a little bit about writing a book from an ADHD perspective
1: really How did you hard. Find <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting um I, I actually think it was in hindsight it was one of the hardest things you know for me to to do but at the same time I had to be really um had to be really strict with myself about how I did it and I had to be really connected to joy like when I was writing because obviously I already struggle with you know attention deficit and focus like that's all really hard for me so I had to really break it down I've been writing it two years so like I literally have had a lot of time and that's one thing I'd recommend is like almost do it your way you know but also don't because you have ADHD don't say you can't do it because you you definitely can you've just got to create a container and for me I had to create a container where the joy was there and the creativity was there because then I could write right in the flow state as soon as the other kind of pressures came in I I lost it but um but yeah for me writing it wasn't the hard thing it was really natural to write it was cathartic and healing talking about it and actually thinking about people reading it though (laughs) is like another thing and that's why like big part of my intention this year is coming on podcasts like this with you because for me uh, you know I can write it and it can stay you know on my bookshelf but for me I really want it to help people and for me it's framed in everyone has a past a present and a future and that's and that's all it is It, it just is to instill hope that actually people can can change and there can be a different way of being from where they see themselves at now and hopefully the book is an invitation for that that actually you know we get to actually choose we get to be the author because so many of us have kind of i think hope for me is a really important word and we've maybe lost sight of hope sometimes and for me by hearing just one other person's story of how that darkness became the light you know it's cliche but it is you know these these real hardships we experience there's so much there's so much truth, and there's so many blessings in then. if we can allow ourselves to move through it, and actually get and keep moving through, right, keep moving through and, and having hope, then actually, for me, that's um, a really key ingredient for people to move forward with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for your time. I know that people want to know how, you know, potentially they can work with you, where can they find you, tell everybody absolutely
1: so yeah so i you can catch me on my website which is www.thewellbeinggirl.co.uk or my instagram handle twitter or facebook or, or at the well girl so the Wellbeing girl and then our flagship program is called becoming it's 12 week container uh, it's a group program and it's a, a chance for you to be your best version so for me it's that whole like being our best self you know and we get to weave through unlearning remember and become there the three months of, of what we move through together um and yeah the book's going to be available in the summer and for me it's just the personal piece around my story because without that it's it's scary to say yes to kind of a new chapter a new door that you know is is, is not yet been opened. so for me you know I just want to share my own vulnerability with that which isn't easy but you know it's um like Marianne Williamson would say who am I not to share that so really really grateful for you having me and just being able to talk about it more today
0: I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did and it resonated with you I would absolutely love it if you could share on your platforms or maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and please do check out my website adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk for lots of free resources and paid for workshops. I'm uploading new things all the time and I would absolutely love to see you there. Take care and see you for the next episode.